0: Good morning, Four Oaks. We going here? Yes, we are here. Sorry, we are Wednesday morning, February 8th. Thanks for joining us. We are walking through the book of Matthew. This week, we are camping out on a pretty significant passage, which is, aren't they all significant? But this is particularly significant, the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Let's read and review quickly where we've been and dive in for today. So let's look at Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So we've described biblical interpretation as a set of concentric circles where we start from the outside and work our way inward. And what our goal is, of course, in biblical interpretation, is is not complex. It's just to understand the plain meaning of the text. What was Matthew wanting to communicate to us by including this story in his gospel? And we, first of all, on Monday, showed how this passage really is the link between the public baptism of Jesus, where he's being coronated, so to speak, as the king, anointed as the king, and then um, the public um, inauguration of his ministry, where he goes about teaching and preaching and healing and doing signs and miracles um, a little later in Matthew chapter 4. Here, we have Jesus retreating to the wilderness to um, be tempted and as we've seen, this temptation is sort of the first and most important or not most important it's it's, it's to this point the most important um, test of his ministry and And we can see the way that Satan frames these questions if you are the son of God, um, do this or do that. And again, that echoes the temptation of the first Adam, does it not where God says, if you this, then you will this. Well, did God really say this? In other words, um, God may have told you one thing, but if you really want to this thing that God has promised, then you need to do that. And there's sort of that echo of that in there. And of course, Jesus is our second Adam. He is taking our place as our representative. He's been anointed the king, but he has to demonstrate through his faithfulness that he's the king. And then we looked at how all of these temptations seem to be patterned after temptations, trials that the Israelites were facing in the wilderness, where they were testing the Lord, where they were complaining about bread, where they were seeking to to worship other gods, where they were being unfaithful in the wilderness and thus led around to journey for 40 years in the wilderness as a punishment. Here, Jesus is taking 40 days and sort of reliving that, experience. Now, today, what I want us to really dig into is the nature of temptation. What What is it exactly that is being shown to us about temptation? How is it that Jesus's experience here of being tempted um, is meant to parallel our own? Now, tomorrow and then Friday, we'll talk about the ways that Jesus fights his temptation, but we're really trying to understand what what is What is happening here? So when it it starts, let's look back at verse 1. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Obviously, it is God's will that Jesus is being tempted because the Spirit is leading Jesus. Mark even uses a stronger word. It says that the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness, and the idea that he is fasting Um, means, and every Jew would have understood this, that he was fasting, he was praying, he was meditating, he was before the Lord in some sort of spiritual preparation through these 40 days, and that God had led him to do this thing. In the same way, God also led him, uh, in, in addition to this preparation, to be tempted by the devil. Now, one of the things we need to understand is that the word that is used here for temptation, perizo, or um, I'm not getting the pronunciation exactly right, P-E-I-R-A-Z-O, perizo, it's actually a neutral word in the Greek. It can mean to either tempt in sort of a negative way, uh, to tempt towards sin, to seduce, or it can mean to test to discern, to pass muster. And what, whether it means more like tempt or more like test will depend upon the context. Now, we have a lot of words like this in English. We call them homonyms where we use the same word, but it can mean different things in different times. So t- take the word date, D-A-T-E. It can mean a fruit, although not many of us, unless we're Mediterranean. In our uh, culinary appetites, don't eat dates, but, but certainly dates are a, one of the most well-known f- fruits in the world. Date is something you eat. A date can also mean a romantic outing between two people who like each other or are getting to know one another. Um, date can also be like a calendar or marker, right? Um, it can be, it can be something that signifies a, a, a time and a time and place and on and on we go. And depending upon how we use that term depends on what it means. So for example, um, if I were to say something like not to date myself, But I can remember when my date and I used to go out and eat dates on a date, right? Now, that's kind of a a long-winded sentence and uses date several times. But if you stopped down and slowed down, you wouldn't have any problem knowing what each of those things meant in their context. I don't mean to date myself. That means, you know, I don't mean to, to show you how old I really am. But I can remember way back on that date, that time when we went on a date that romantic encounter and we were eating a fruit called a date okay so it when we think about trial and temptation it works the same way now here's the here's what's interesting about this whether it's a trial or a temptation depends upon the perspective of the person in question okay so one of the things that we want to say right off is that James reminds us that God um, does not tempt anyone. Okay, so let, let's look, look at James 1:13 through 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, this is James 1:13, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, which is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Very clear there, is it not, that God does not tempt anyone. Temptation um, arises from our own desires and our hearts that become corrupted, that run after something that God has forbidden or we pursue to excess something that God allows. Now, go back to Matthew 1. Who is doing the tempting here? Well, it's very clear that Satan is the one doing the tempting, right? James has already told us. Remember, Scripture interprets Scripture. Um, God tempts no one. Well, then, then why is God leading Jesus into the wilderness? Well, well, well God is leading... Jesus into the wilderness because it's a test. Okay, same word but a different function, a different meaning. So again, the Israelites were led into the wilderness for a season of testing. And this testing was to see will they follow the Lord? Will they obey God? Will they trust in him? But yet this testing turned into temptation because they followed after their own evil desires in their hearts. They did not trust the God and the Lord in him only. They trusted in themselves or things besides God. So, it's important here that we understand that this is both things, okay? Prayozo, it's a test and a temptation from God's perspective, it's a test, and from Satan's perspective, it's an opportunity for temptation. So all of us, okay, are at different points tested in our faith. And James also talks about testing, right? Testing is what develops perseverance. Testing is what shows our mettle. Testing shows what's underneath in our hearts. But even as we are being tested in our faith, it's not Satan. I mean, it's not God who's tempting us. Satan uses those times of testing Turns them into temptation. This is why we pray, as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 10, God delivers us from temptation. What does Jesus say? Deliver us not, deliver us from evil or the evil one. Okay. Hebrews 4:15. Jesus was tempted as we are, but without sin. So I hope that makes sense in terms of how we discern these things. We see this same thing playing out. There's a couple of other places. In Scripture, where we, where we see them, one, we see them, of course, with Job. God is marveling at Job, and Satan says it's all a, a ruse, a farce, and God allows for a season of testing of Job's faith to see what he's made of. Well, what God intends as a testing, Satan clearly means as a temptation. He wants, God, he wants Job to rebuke God. Same thing in the garden, right? God has given all these magnificent blessings of the covenant, but it said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Clearly, under God's providential care, providential rule and reign, Satan comes into the garden. This is a choice of testing, Yet Satan means it as a point of temptation, and Adam and Eve do indeed fall. So what are we, what are we to learn from this? Well, one of the things we're, we're, we're to learn is that clearly Jesus is wanting us to learn how to deal with temptation. I've, I've never thought about this, but John MacArthur mentioned this in his commentary on this text, but this is not an occurrence in Jesus's life that has any eyewitnesses attached to it. In other words, most of the stories that we find in Matthew, there's an eyewitness. There's someone who reports something, whether it's Joseph or the, um, or the wise men or um, the disciples who observe something that's happening. Well, the only way the disciples, Matthew, would have known about this particular incident is whether or not Jesus told them. And obviously, he did tell them Jesus was his own witness. And for Jesus to reveal something this intimate to his life means it must be really important for us that we might follow in the steps of our master and learn how to fight temptation. Now, how do we do that, you might ask? Well, you're gonna have to tune in tomorrow because that's where we're gonna pick this up. And let it be no mystery here. Jesus directs our temptation squarely towards the word of God. And we're going to see how he does that tomorrow. Thanks. Lord, we pray that you would lead us not into temptation, but you would deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we pray that when that time of testing comes, that we would turn to you, rely upon you, lean upon you, and not upon ourselves. Lord, we ask that you continue to unfold the meaning of this passage for us this week. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks everybody, see you tomorrow.